Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I am your host, Chris Anderson of Earsports.com. West Virginia has just fallen to Oklahoma, 52-14. to My apologies to anybody who picked West Virginia and the points. That was just not happening as Austin Kendall's swing pass to Letty Brown for a walk-in touchdown and the cover went straight into the dirt. And that is the extent of the betting conversation I'm going to have today. Because now I want to bring in my co-host, Mr. Mike Casaza, to discuss today's game. Mike, how are things? I have a question for you. Great, thank you. Um, One of the people on the board asked a question. What percentage of our subscribers could have completed that pass to Letty Brown? And he Uh, said 80. Well... Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, and no offense, because I know a lot of our uh, posters are also our listeners, and I have met some of our posters, and uh, I'm going to go a little lower. So, mm. we'll uh, see. Um, it was that open and that bad that I think we have to have a conversation about. You have to lead off a podcast about a 38-point game about that. It was really strange because um, I was oddly uh, providential in our in-game post today about some things that were going to happen or may happen. Uh, I would say as far back as the fresh set yesterday um, about things that need to happen or could happen or whatever, and including kind of calling the pump block because that was a disaster waiting to happen, but also saying, like, this isn't on Kendall. He's had a pretty good day. He's given his guys a chance. He hasn't made very few passes, and he made two really bad passes on that one. None worse than – it looked like it was just too open. Like, that pass to the flat isn't easy. Um, and when the guy's running away from you, you got to hit him in stride. It's difficult, but it, it was an 11 yard touchdown. And you definitely get within that 33, 34, 35 point range, too. So I'm sure there are a lot of people who are not happy with that. Yeah, I was, I was in a similar boat to you. I was all game long, I was waiting for this discussion we were going to have afterwards about Kendall, the quarterback position, what's that, what's next. And I was, saying to myself, I was kind of talking myself into it as I have over the course of the last, say, three weeks or so, that maybe it's not Kendall. Kendall's not that bad. It, he's actually playing all right. He might be decent, and it's a lot of the people around him. And we heard Neil Brown say that after the game. And as I was uh, kind of prepping myself for that argument uh, with you, if you were going to argue with me about it, he throws it about five yards into the dirt when Letty Brown has no one within 15 yards of him. So that's not Let's start that. Let, me inter- let me interrupt you for a second, because or we can even start right here, too, because it's very interesting what they did with the quarterbacks this week. Um, waited until Thursday to say that um, Kendall would start, which was, I don't know, um, it, it was news because it was at least a question as to whether or not that that chest injury would keep him out. Um, and Brown said that he took about 50% of the snaps on Tuesday and a few more on Wednesday. And then Thursday is kind of a mental rep day. You kind of walk through some stuff. Um, so did, I don't know, let's say at most, at most, like 60% of the action in practice. I heard that they repped four guys during the week at quarterback. They traveled with five quarterbacks. Is that right? Uh, that's what it you're is. telling me. So I'm yeah. assuming it's right. So it's on wild. the dress sheet today, they brought a full 70 to the game, which is encouraging because they are kind of beat up and they're trying to 
pack things up. And there's been da- there's been games before where like I know that in the previous regime they would bring 64, 65, 66 people because that's who they had and who they trusted and who they practiced. Um, so they had 70. Kendall and Lowe, they both played. Uh, Jackson was the scout team quarterback and did a Hurts impression this week. Uh, he is also like the signaler on the sideline. You see him on pretty much all the play calls. Uh, Jack Allison and Jared Dagey was there for the first time. He's been to home games. To my recollection, he has not been to a road game yet. They went with five quarterbacks as part of their 70-person travel roster. They used two. I would say they probably had a plan for three, uh, um, four or five. I don't know. But um, what did you think of the plan and practice, and do you think it affected the game at all, or do you think that they were did what they could and the game isn't really reflective of that? Well, here's what's here's what's really throwing me off, and I can't uh, like I, I'm running it through my mind what's going on here. So you bring Daggy, and the only reason you are bringing Daggy is if it is an absolute blowout, and you want to get him one of his four game reps. It was an absolute blowout. So why did Daggy not get the reps? And if the answer is because they wanted to go with low, that's fine. I understand that then why waste a trip with Daigie? Uh, I, I mean, I don't see what hurts, I guess, for bringing him, but I, I, I'm trying to wrap my head about why they would bring Daigie if he's not going to play in this situation where you're down 38 in the fourth quarter and it's begging for a backup quarterback to come in and just get some game reps. I have your answer. Oh, good. West Virginia is at Kansas State, at TCU, and perhaps at a bowl game in their final four games of the season. Um, so he's getting repped for travel. He's doing hotel reps is what they call it. Yeah. Um, he, he's. What's it like to pack and get on the plane? What's it like to get on the plane uh, and, and hang out with your teammates for a couple hours? What do you do during the flight? What coaches do you talk to? What players do you talk to? What, you know, what, you know, precautions do you take what plans do you make what do you do when you get off the plane and go to the hotel how do you hang out in the hotel who's your roommate what do you do saturday morning you know what's your routine before that um he's he's got that out of the way right now and um it's different i mean they're home against baylor or that baylor so he can do it again they're home against texas tech and then if they do do this um I'm not saying they will, but everybody's projecting or hoping or wondering if he'll be the quarterback for the final three, perhaps four games of the season. I don't think they have any business playing him before their ninth regular season game. Um, then he's getting reps on how to do the road games, and three of his final four games will be on the road, and he's just getting he's getting preparation. And like, if you laugh at me about that, uh, you have not heard Neil Brown and how detailed he can be on things like this. I would not be surprised if that's part of the calculus. I mean, I don't think it's that crazy, but I, I, I was just getting as soon as I saw him. You know, I, you told me that he was on that dress list. I was thinking to myself, this is what they're setting up for: is for him to play in a five touchdown blowout in the fourth quarter, just in case. But I, I guess I get the travel reps because, quite frankly, when are you playing the seventieth guy on your seventy-man travel roster? So find some other way to make it useful, that, that 70th spot, and that would be one of those ways. So quarterback five is dispensable, let's say. And this, te- this is a kind of a, a wobbly team when they went in, and they took some hits today that maybe one significant one we can talk about in a minute here, but they were depleted at spots, um, and perhaps they needed help. Let's say you don't bring five quarterbacks, or let's say there's some other alteration you can make. 
Um, players who did not travel, like we agree that their offensive line is kind of kind of wishy-washy, right? Uh, they did not bring Parker Moore, and they did not bring Donovan Bieber, and they did not bring – oh, man, who's the third offensive lineman in the freshman class? Moore, uh, Bieber, and – Yates. And Yates. Brandon Yates, and yeah. Did not bring Yates. Uh, Moore and Yates are two that have traveled and have dressed and have been there before, and they weren't there today. So they made room <laughs> for some people, obviously. They did some things that they thought, but like – I'm thinking in my head, this is crazy. They don't need, for example, you know, Jackson Knipper and Eli Drummond. They don't need five quarterbacks. Um, I don't know who else you put in there. That's how weird of a situation this is right now. Like, well, I'll post the travel roster soon for everybody can look at this. But, like, there are some questionable, not even questionable things, but people you say they're on this list, are you serious? And they are. But if not them, then who? Because it seems... Diamante Lindsay is hurt, isn't there? No Martel Petaway, so there's another spot. Who else we put in there? I can't think of anybody. Like Tavis Lee? Uh, any of those two, two or three offensive linemen we talked about, but they're not going to play. Jared Bartlett's not going to play. Charlie Benton hasn't played. Um, they really are scraping the barrel here. So, and, and that's where I was going was the Bartlett or the Benton situation just because of what they had to do at linebacker today sliding Chandler around Tonkery around Qualls being out and and them digging deeper and deeper and deeper onto that onto that bench that already thin bench there linebacker I would have uh when we discussed this right before we came on the air I would have my first thought was um Charlie Benton although I'm still curious if he's on the team former starter now not even traveling with the team this year and hasn't been seen yet um, and then Bartlett uh, slipped my mind, but that's another great pick, too. I would have gone with one of those two. Adam Hensley traveled, and I don't believe he played defense at all today, and they needed mics and bandits, perhaps, and he can do both of those. They really got creative on defense, and, and we can talk about that in a bit, about the changes they made and how much that messed things up. Another one that was interesting, because their running game is bad. I don't have a, a nicer word. I'll just say bad. And um, Tony Mathis traveled, and apparently he's working his way back in, and I saw Kenny McCoy take four handoffs today and net one yard. Um, I looked at the numbers that he's had this year. It's pretty poor. Um, the negative plays he's had, we're talking about one out of every four touches, five touches, offense, meaning receptions or, or carries, loses yardage or doesn't gain yardage. Uh, four carries, one yard. Had a, a really bad block on a third down play that might have hit. I don't think he did anything except one carry in the second half. I feel like. They're kind of losing patience in him. Brown had some pointed comments about him, about not making people miss during the week. And I wonder if they're just looking forward to getting Mathis in there and letting see what he can do. Because they liked him. They had him as a priority for recruiting at Troy. And now they have him, and they have a chance to play him this year. Well, and we're getting closer to that four-game window that you're talking about. So I think we could certainly see him a couple times as that second or third back. But speaking of pointed comments in the running game, I – and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I, he was discussing the offensive line, was asked about or was discussing the running game. He was asked about the running game and started on the offensive line just talking about how they have s- such a young offensive line, they're just not physically mature enough to handle you know, the grown men on the other side of the line, like, like Neville Gallimore for Oklahoma, for instance. Very good uh, player, by the way. Yes, very good player. And then he, he kind of – starts going another direction and then swings back around and says 
it's go- not going to be a position of strength until our guys get older or until we can make some personnel changes. And yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. talking about Mathis and we're talking about offensive line. We're talking about people who can't play right now. They're not going to burn red shirts on these guys. They want to get yeah. some guards and tackles and running backs in there for sure. Um, that's what I would read that as. Okay. And that's how I was reading it was they have guys that they want to get in there, but are just going to have to wait until I was thinking next year or a couple years down the road. But yeah, yikes. I mean, that's just not, it's the truth. I don't think he's wrong, but it's just a hard thing. I think for some people to hear. So they had 44 negative yards plays coming into the game. They added eight more today. So 52 in seven games. Uh, That's Mm. over seven a game. That's the worst in the big 12. Uh, 13 of them have come on pass plays. They didn't, excuse me, 24 have come on pass plays. Uh, 11 sacks, 13 completed passes at lost yardage. Um, and then the rest are run plays, so that's not good. Uh, McCoy had four touches today, two of them lost yards. He has 12 of his 66 carries of lost yards this year. Um, and that's a guy who was going to be the leader this year and, and who's been a productive player before. And I don't know if it's that the scheme is getting him or if he, he's – not saying things right. He did, he got no help on the two plays he lost yardage on today. He got no help. I give him that. Um, but I think the block that he, he kind of mailed in on the outside and the fact that you know we're halfway through this now and Brown is a better player and this is not a game you're going to run the ball in, especially as it got away. Uh, they wanted to run the ball, but I think as it got away from him, it was going to be Letty Brown no matter what. But it just feels like time is running out on him a little bit here. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand it because I felt like the strength his strength. Uh, the things that we were talking about uh, being his best attributes uh, a year ago, two years ago, when he was first kind of bursting onto the scene for West Virginia was the fact that he just hit holes hard and went forward. He didn't dance around. He didn't do all this other stuff. He just went straight line forward quickly, got yards done. And that is not the running back we're seeing this year. Nope. And no Lorenzo door who got in late last week. Um, just, I mean, that was a, obviously a weird thing, but like, I think there was a chance that maybe somebody would get in and scoop up those third carries. It's not going to be Alex Singfield. Um, that's pretty clear now, but they just kind of limited it to two people and, and went from there and saw what they could do. Door did travel. I believe he played special teams, but again, not a game to really indicate who is wearing the pecking order by the number of carries. It, is, it wasn't a game to run the ball, even though they wanted to. What did you think about the way they started the game by just saying, here's Sam, do something? Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. I was okay with it. Uh, I mean, I, I like the idea of putting the ball in your best player's hands. And although, and, and quick sidetrack here, when Brown was talking after the game, he was asked about TJ Simmons. He made just a, a just a quick side comment, a lot faster than I'm being right now, that 
Simmons was the only receiver that was, oh, I can't remember how he phrased it, but state basically stated that Simmons was the only receiver that was doing what he was supposed to be doing, was playing to the level that they're expecting him to play, which caught me off guard because I feel like James is, I mean, he had a rough go of it today uh, other after those first two catches, those first two plays, but he is one of the more explosive players on offense, and I like the idea of getting the ball in his hands and just saying, go do work. He dropped a couple out passes near the goal line. I think he might have yeah. scored on one today. That's going to bug Brown a little bit too. Um, I would. I don't know how many of his catches are down the field and how many are touch passes and sideways passes and screen passes. But I would say more than half are short or easy throws. And perhaps he's not fighting to get open or he's not fighting with the ball in the air very much. His productivity, especially his activity, um, is kind of tilted a little bit because of how easy the throws are. But um, again, the drops are one thing too. Made a great play deep on a deep ball against Texas. Can't take that away, but they're also pushing him too. They want to see what, what he can really do. And unfortunately four catches for 29 yards and they're targeted 10, 10 times. times. Yeah. Not going to do it. And that was what those first two plays that you were talking about. That was two catches for 27. So yeah. after those first two plays, he had two catches for two yards on eight targets. That's, I can see why that would be frustrating for a lot of people, including I thought it was kind himself, of like, probably. Sure. I thought it was like kind of delightful trickery too, because the question on Kendall is, you know, is he going to be able to rear back and let it rip? And when you start just doing touch passes and parallel throws, you're thinking, no, he can't. And then all of a sudden, I feel like they lured Oklahoma in a little bit and maybe got them to, to cheat or creep or look for something. And all of a sudden, Kendall started throwing deep and stretching the field and, and doing okay things, giving his guys a chance. It kind of felt like some sleight of hand. Yeah. And I was, I was even okay with some of the deep passes. I know. Yeah. A lot of times it's not great because it ends up with those situations where you're just kind of three and out and then the defense is back out on the field and it can hurt, especially with an offense as explosive as Oklahoma's. But they were kind of there and the Sooners are so prone to penalties that when you throw it up there, you add in that extra, you know, say 10, 15 percent or whatever it is, that they're going to commit a pass interference or a holding. And, and they committed several of them and probably should have been whistled for a couple more, too. So it, it wasn't as bad as deep – everybody calls for the deep pass last week. They get deep passes this week and then get upset because they got deep passes. But I think it was some, some good play calling today, just, just guys not getting open. Defensively, a number of changes here, and, and this is where we're going to have to play some musical chairs and talk about how – narrow the margin is here new middle linebacker new will new cornerback new free safety josh chandler starts at mike x3 low starts at will josh norwood starts at corner and carrie martin starts at free safety this is significant because your quote-unquote quarterbacks of defense are going to be your mike and especially your free safety you turn your free safety over to a true freshman who was playing between 10 and 15 snaps a game. Uh, you put Norwood a corner, that's okay. You turn your mic into a will, uh, um, or you're willing to a mic, and the guys that are going to be communicating and calling are your free safety and your mic, who are new to that. And I think Brown even said afterward there were some communication problems out there where they were not trading guys off and they weren't reading and reacting right. I think it happened on at least probably both their first two red, red zone touchdowns. I don't think that a, I don't think an H-back is supposed to comb through the line of scrimmage and go uncovered on a 20-yard vertical route, and then a little zone read uh, where the quarterback pulls in the goal line, looked at the corner, traded off to the middle, and there was nobody there because he flowed to the wrong side. That happens, but 
uh, that also happens when you make those type of changes. Yeah, and that was what Brown said afterwards, that the communication basically was so bad that they had to move Norwood back to free safety and bring walk-on Devin Wade, and side note, not Tay Mayo, um, walk-on Devin Wade, quote, at back a cornerback just until Bailey could get back in the second half. Like there is, they're shuffling, you know, what what was the old saying? Shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic over here and just biding time until Bailey can get there in the second half. Like that's the situation right now on defense. I'm okay with that because I don't want to, I don't want to move the abacus and and then kind of give Mayo a second game for a handful of snaps. I'm fine with that. If you're going to, what's the difference between Wayne and Mayo at that point? I'd rather just play where you go. I'm with you on that. Absolutely. But the problem here is that not only does the free safety slash corner thing get foiled, but I probably suspect some bad news on Josh Chandler. He's on the punt team. Uh, Keep that in your pocket. He's covering a punt. Um, George Campbell kind of gets a little shaky trying to break down C.D. Lamb. He turns around. He runs right into the shin knee area of Chandler. Uh, complete accident, inadvertent. It's not anybody's fault. It's football, of course. Um, I'm just explaining the action. And Chandler goes down right away and clutches his knee. Doesn't come back. He's in sweats the rest of the game. and looks like he's in a bad mood. If the pass is prologue, that's probably a season-ending knee injury. I'm not hoping or rooting for that, but that has been West Virginia's luck with injuries for not just this year but many years, and that's not one they need. Um, but you lose your mic then. you got to play a lot of Shade Campbell and Mike. And – it looked to me that um, Dylan Tonker is no longer a Mike. He's going to be part of the solution to Bandit. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? That's kind of, I mean, he, he played out there a bunch yeah, today. He did. I don't think they played another Mike besides Campbell. I think Campbell played darn near the entire second half of Mike. Yeah. I, was, I didn't see when Qualls, uh, Qualls got hurt, uh, Brown said. And then I saw Tonkery out there. I don't remember seeing Zach Sandwich. I don't remember seeing anybody else. Um, I don't think. Pooler slid back out there again like he did early in the season. I think it was just just Tonkery, basically. So, oh, boy. And where do you go from here? Like, if I mean, <laughs> let, Let's not project, but, I mean, if, if there is a bad thing there, then this is a bad situation that's getting worse, and, and who knows. But the reason that – I think the reason that Chandler even matters more is he is on your punt team, and after he left, it was a disaster. They almost blocked one. Uh, they made Josh Groden double clutch and roll out and uncork like a 25-yarder, and then they blocked one. I'm not sure that's all Josh Chandler, but definitely on the on the one that Groden tried to run a little bit, um, he had his arms out and his palms up and, and was looking for something. And I don't know if he should have called a timeout, if he was waiting for a timeout, but he, he went one way and everybody was there, and then he faked to one another. And on the punt, it looked to me like Michael Lachlan was aggressively asking somebody to come over from the right and it was Abbott who came over very late nobody touched anybody I don't believe it was even a pump block I think that just somebody came through and there wasn't a, a person there to block him and if you're going to do that then just go get the ball and they did but uh, uncharacteristically sloppy you know all over special teams today but especially in the punts yeah I'm with you on the all offline thing I saw him he's he turning to his right, yelling at somebody, looking, it, it looked like he was calling for someone to motion in and add a third person to that. Um, it's not a wedge anymore, but to that wall there, blockers in front of the punter, 
and I didn't see anybody come in. I think, like you said, Abbott may have came in late. And then O'Laughlin kind of stood in the middle and had a defender or, or uh, come on both sides of him. He didn't block either of them. And, and what they do you both do there? Kind of, you got to yeah. trip somebody, hold somebody. I mean, what do you do, right? Got to pick one and didn't pick the middle. And they both went and either one of them could have blocked it. That was, like you said, just a lot of communication issues. They had a chance. It was 14 nothing, and you're thinking, uh-oh. But they put together a really nice drive, and to make it 14-7, you know, things look good. They're aggressive. You know, I think we get the fake punt. Groudon throws his name into the quarterback competition. <laughs> all of a sudden, things look all right. And this is kind of where I felt like the bubble burst a little bit. It's um, 14-7 because you get your touchdown, you convert a fourth down, you score. I believe I have the chronology right here. Um, but on that immediate drive afterward, seven snaps for Oklahoma, and six of them were first down snaps. So seven plays. One of them is the first first down. That doesn't count. But of the subsequent five plays, they picked up first downs. They scored a touchdown. Uh, and then it's 21-7, and it just seems like Oklahoma was amused. Like, oh, okay, you're going to play? Well, we're going to play two. And it was it was very easy. Four plays, 74. Excuse me, seven plays, 75 yards, two forty nine off the clock. And that was the third touchdown of four in a row. And it just seemed like you couldn't. To borrow a phrase of Vic Kenning this week, Koning this week, uh, put your finger in the dike, and then all of a sudden you got to put a finger in another, and another, and another, and all of a sudden you just you can't hold it up anymore, and you're underneath, you're underwater pretty quickly against these guys. Yeah, uh, West Virginia stopped Oklahoma on their first drive, mm-hmm. and then the Sooners answered with four straight touchdowns, and then seven touchdowns on their next eight drives, and next thing you know, forty-nine to fourteen, so. It happened quickly, and that's that was to be expected. I'm, uh, I'm on the lookout for apologists and moral victories here because I think there's going to be many, and I'm sure somebody will blame Dana Holgerson and recruiting in Northeast Ohio and Pittsburgh and D.C. and Maryland and Virginia. And those are all conversations that we can have if people want to. That's fine. Um, I did think that <laughs> there's one thing that mean they, they got to stop in the red zone. Um, 14 straight red zone drives that got into the end zone is horrific. And we wrote about this during the week and Brown oddly spun it into a thing about how they're not getting penalty calls, which turns out to be part of the explanation. There were a couple that maybe could have been called certainly on the first one today. It looked like they held uh, Ruben Jones on a touchdown pass in the red zone. And that just keeps on kind of seemed funny to me, like maybe Brown's onto something here, but beyond that, just some bad coverage in there, but Hey, the streak is over. They force a field goal when Hertz fumbles a snap on the one yard line. And that's the difference from being, you know, 56 to 14 instead of 52 to 14. Small steps. You're a glass half full kind of guy. Mike. I am. I am. <laughs> so what's next? Like it, I think I, I mentioned this after the Iowa state game that I said, Hey, next week's Oklahoma. I expect, you know, Oklahoma to kind of run West Virginia out of the, out of the yeah. building. And then, then we get into a bye week, and that's where things can get a little funny. Um, and we've already seen, you know, another uh, transfer with Tevin Bush. Guys, I, I know you, there's a lot of some positivity in there, certainly from guys that that are quote trusting the climb. But it's going to be a long kind of ten days until that Baylor game here, and I'm I'm curious to see what's said, what's done, uh, and where the guys are when they show up to Waco in a week and a half. 
I think my first thing would be is to, I don't know if drawing board is the right phrase or square one is the right phrase, but I'm, I'm taking everything out of the bag when it comes to the running game. And I'm just figuring out a way to do this because they can't win this way. They can't. I mean, we're talking, you know, inches per carry sometimes too. like what 1.1 yard today. That's, that's not very good. And you're not going to do that. Baylor is a top 30 defense. They're missing the middle linebacker. He's out for the year. So that may be a problem. And we'll see what happens today. Like, they're going to play Oklahoma State, which has a great running back. It has some concepts that I think are maybe parallel to what West Virginia does or can do. So that would be my first priority. I think the fact that everybody kind of gets to take their breath a little bit. I mean, that's that's a pretty hellacious stretch that it's went through. Texas, Iowa State, Oklahoma. Those are three really good teams. The three kind of separate challenges. They're all a little bit different with what they do, defensively especially. Um, since we're talking about the running game, there's a good explanation why Baylor is good on defense. It's not because they have the personnel that Texas, Iowa State, and Oklahoma have. So if that offensive line can just step back and say, you know what, we just saw 15 good guys, you know, across from us for these past three games because these guys are rolling in and out every game, it seemed like. And yeah, the Baylor guy's going to be okay. It's not going to be as good as Gallimore. You know, hey, this guy's going to be all right. It's not going to be as good as what Texas did. You know, if they can just kind of adapt and, and progress a little bit, it's got to get better. And so at this point, now you have a good idea of what you can't do and what you can do and what you want to do, and you go from there. And just try to get that running game going. If Kendall's okay and if your receivers are okay, um, they'll be better if you can run the ball because that's just a huge issue right now. All right, let's end it on this. I want to put it out there. You got – sort of an open week here and, and an open week sometimes leads to a couple changes um, personnel wise scheme wise whatever tell me something or someone that's going to be different a week and a half from now in Waco like is there going to be a change that's for a, a younger guy somewhere at any position do you see something radical happening between now and then or do you think it's going to just uh, ride out what they have knowing what you just said that this last stretch was hellacious and now it's it might get a little easier and that might change things all that's all the change they need it's a really good question but i don't know who who's capable or who has the expectation to to climb a rung right now because they've already asked a lot of people to do that like you've asked Tyke Smith to do that and he has you've asked you know Nick Troy Fortune to do that and he has you've asked Kerry Martin to do that and, and he, he has. Um, who? Like, who are we talking about here? Are we talking on offense? Like, are we going to become Ali Jennings fans because of an offensive pass interference call, which is kind of maybe bogus, but, like, are we are we looking down that wormhole here? Like, maybe they should get Ali Jennings more? I don't know who it is. Like, I just – that's kind of the problem that we're having. It kind of goes back to our barrel scrape we talked about earlier. Like, I do think that especially the offensive line can get better because they can – absorb and and find a way to use whatever they have so that is maybe my odd guess here but mm-hmm. i've also seen like that should have happened already because they had those two really good games and you figure all right here's some momentum let's do something with it it hasn't happened um the secondary is young and maybe it'll get better but let's be honest they played like i know i know that we're going to say that like purdy and ellinger are good quarterbacks if you if you look at numbers and productivity, they played two good quarterbacks this year, like two really good quarterbacks. And Hertz and Kelly Bryant kind of had their way for different reasons, but had their way with them. So like I'm wondering, and that's separated by a couple of weeks now too. So I'm wondering 
what's the expectation for the individuals here? Like, have some of these people peaked? Are some of them doing as much as they can or as well as they can? Because if that's the issue now, um, and they've already progressed as much as they can or they're able to, that's going to make this last stretch long. That's not very optimistic. I know that, but like, I just that's my concern with the roster and the way things are going right now. Uh, okay, Mike. Uh, I, we we're trying to end it on a high note here, oh, yeah. so let's bring it back around and 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 try again. Was there anything today that you saw that was a silver lining? Anything positive? Well, going listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that this was a great day for them. I'm not gonna say this was a step forward because like it's a continuation of their second half troubles the last couple of games. The opponent is unique from the other two. I get that, but like I can't say they got better today. What, what was curious to me was that they made a lot of self-inflicted mistakes today that I'm not used to them seeing. Their special team stuff is usually very tight. It wasn't. Penalties, drop passes, mistakes like that that were of their own creation were problematic. And and I'm going to try to find what Brown said, but like the things that they had to do, they didn't. And the things they couldn't afford to do, they did. And that's not Game 7 stuff for a team that's supposed to be getting better and better and better. And again, if you put this performance against Texas – and Iowa State, never mind, you know, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, all the other teams that are going, it may be a better result, but it didn't rise to the challenge today. And that's that's curious to me because I thought they were going in that direction. The first half was was promising. The praise heaped upon the team at halftime was promising. I don't think the second half was. I do think that they try hard and they play hard and they fight, and I think that they're in line, and whoever gets snaps is going to try to get more and play hard. It's just not enough right now, too. So, like, I think this is a team that wants to and can. Um, I think that it's a team that tries hard and can, but, like, there's a bridge between, like, where they are and where they got to be. Does that make sense? It does. And You're going to have to try another one. I got a, I got a good question <laughs> that will make Go. everybody feel better. How are your picks doing? Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, God, Mike. Now I feel better now. <laughs> oh my! Wow! Now right. we're laughing. It's all. No, it's all. Now, it's all rosy. Now, now we're cutting that, and and we're just gonna kind of just cut to me uh, ending this podcast, and we're gonna cut out the last twenty seconds because that was that was hurtful. That was very hurtful. Um, let me say this: uh, I think Kendall's Kendall makes you feel better about things today. Um, his best receiver is Simmons. Simmons is playing at the highest level. Those two have the best thing going. Um, I think Kendall is, is going to be somewhat static, uh, and I think Simmons is going to be somewhat static now. And I think other people can say, all right, let me get on the same page with my quarterback. And who are the people most likely to do that? It's probably James. It may be Jennings and Wright if you're talking about young guys. I just think that Kendall gives you – I know his numbers weren't great. I don't think he looked overmatched and hapless today. I think he didn't get a lot of help from receivers and drop balls and getting open. Um, he made mistakes, but he, he's not going to be Will Greer when it comes to accuracy and, you know, big splashy plays or completion percentage or yards per attempt. But, like, he's also not in danger of losing his job after today. Well, I'm just dazed now after that sucker punch uh, from Mike. So I think we'll just go ahead and wrap it up and and move on into the open week, which will be filled with uh, a lot of stuff over at earsports.com. Plenty of recruiting news. I'll be updating all of the target lists, getting updates with the 2020 commits. We'll be dropping Mike from the podcast and bringing on a couple of future Mountaineers this week. Uh, We are getting them. I have spoken with them. uh, And now during the open week is the time for that. 
So be sure to be on the lookout for that. And Mike, you have anything special coming up? Uh, wait, is it basketball time? I think it's officially basketball season after today, uh, right? Yeah. So th- that's some silver lining. We can we can shine some light on a positive basketball experience. Big secret scrimmage today. I'm sure there'll be some information trickling out of that. Media day in Kansas City, so Bob Huggins will be properly dressed for the occasion. And then you're getting really close to exhibition against Duquesne, regular season against um, Akron. They'll be here before you know it. Yep. All right, well, we thank everybody for listening in. Be sure to check everything out again at earsports.com. If you're not a VIP member, we are always running our $1 for an entire month to start things out. So check that in. Hop in. Pay your two cents for Mike's subtle jabs and not-so-subtle jabs. And uh, we will be back next week. Thanks again for listening. I'm sorry, Chris. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.